Well, good morning, Orchard Hills. <clears throat> Welcome to our um, indoor, outdoor service. Thanks for being here. Uh, seriously, we appreciate uh, your flexibility today. Um, and I'm super thankful to our staff and volunteers um, and all the work that they did to, to make this happen today. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for your flexibility. Last week, um, we talked about the fact that God has not promised to bring the fullness of his kingdom yet. Um, and so we talked about the fact that now, in, instead of um, a quick fix, God is offering us a process. He's offering to meet us in this, this in-between space in which we're living. Um, and so we said it this way, that, that God's plan to change your life um, and to change the whole world and to change our community is through you being a spirit-empowered witness. That's his plan for you. And we said that a witness um, is simply someone who has seen and heard something, uh, someone who has personally experienced something. And so God is calling you to know him, to experience him personally, and then just to, to be a witness, to testify about what he's done in your life, to, to talk about what you have seen and heard him do in your life. Um, and if we haven't ever experienced him, or if we're not really experiencing him in our lives right now, then all we have to do is ask. And he loves to give himself to us and to reveal himself to us. So this morning, we are going to dig into all of that a little bit deeper. Um, last week, we talked about what it means to be a witness. This week, we're going to focus on what it means to be spirit-empowered. So we're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what we were just singing about. Um, so that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me uh, to Acts. We're in chapter 2 this week. Um, in just the first four verses, uh, they'll be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Well, Holy Spirit, thank you for this time. Thanks for the gift of your word. Thanks that we can um, come together as a, a united people to worship you, to love and adore you, and to hear from you this morning. Would you open the word to us? Would you cut to our hearts? Would you show, it, uh, show us what it is that we truly believe? And would you show us more of the glory of who Jesus Christ is? I don't think it's an accident that uh, this scripture says they were all together in one place, and uh, here we are, all together in one place, um, in, one built, in one room. Uh, so, uh, Spirit, we just give you this time. We ask that you'd uh, make the word plain to us, that you'd speak to us, and that you would fill us and show us more of yourself. We love you, and we give you this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> our scene here today is the day of Pentecost. Um, now, Pentecost was one of three Jewish festivals where all 
of the Jewish males scattered across the world were, were supposed to make a pilgrimage and come back to Jerusalem for the feast. And so at this point in history, um, because of multiple exiles and because of some other reasons, the Jews had been scattered out from their, their promised land of Israel around the known world at the time, all around the Mediterranean Sea. And so because this was a pilgrimage festival, all Jews from all these different countries had come to Jerusalem for this celebration. Now, Pentecost, um, the, the penta there in the prefix refers to 50, because it's 50 days after the Feast of Passover. And our scripture today, um, well, our scripture last week, Acts 1, um, said that Jesus ascended 40 days after the weekend where he died and rose, which was Passover weekend. And so this scripture today comes only about 10 days after what we talked about last week, after Jesus ascended. And before he ascended, as you remember, he promised that uh, his people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they would be immersed in him. And he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses. But then he said, wait, wait for this promise. And so they did. Um, And from the rest of Acts chapter 1, we see them doing exactly that. And so at the beginning of our passage today, we find them all together in Jerusalem, um, likely celebrating the feast, but still waiting, waiting on God to do what he had promised. So um, in these four verses, there's there's a lot here. So we're just going to take this bit by bit, um, and then we're going to focus on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Um, In verse 4, it says that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's going on with speaking in tongues? What's, what's happening there? Depending on your church background, you might have a little bit of baggage around speaking in tongues. Um, <laughs> might be something you talked about way too much growing up, or it might be something you didn't really talk about at all. Um, if you didn't grow up in church, then it might seem even weirder and stranger, and you might just have some uh, televangelist thoughts in your mind. Um, but either way, what was happening here is, is quite simple. God was giving his people the ability to speak about him in a language that they didn't know so that people could hear about the mighty works of God, about what God had done through Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Um, it wasn't gibberish or chaotic. They didn't lose control of their bodies and act like crazy people. They were just being empowered to be witnesses, which is what Jesus had just promised that he was going to do. And so they were probably talking in the languages of everyone there, whether it was Hebrew or Greek or Egyptian or Italian. All of these people had come from all around, and so they were speaking about what God had done in a a language that made sense to them. It made sense, and it brought glory to God. Just a few verses down, it says that the people there were amazed. Apparently, if you're from Galilee, you have an accent because they knew where these guys were from. They were like, man, aren't these just some hick boys from backwoods Galilee? And they're, they're talking about God in our language. Um, it says in verse 11, we hear them telling in our tongues, our own languages, the mighty works of God. They were empowered to be witnesses. And this is something that the Holy Spirit still does through missionaries all the time. We hear these stories um, from all around the world, and we've actually seen this happen here in our own community and our ministry to, um, to the Hispanic community. So it is 
a little crazy. It is miraculous, but it's not chaotic. Uh, it is, God is a God of order and a God of peace, um, and he does these things. So that's, that's a little bit about speaking in tongues. Verses 2 and 3 say that a wind filled the house, and tongues of fire rested on each of them. So what, what's going on with the wind and the fire? Well, the short answer is that the wind and the fire are representative of the presence of God. So when, when God first calls his people Israel up out of the land of Egypt, up out of slavery, in Exodus 14 it says that he led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Wind and fire, the presence of God. And then they go into the wilderness and, and God commands them to build this tent um, which, which is called a tabernacle. And God says, I'm going to, to put my presence here. I'm going to be with you and live with you and travel with you in a, a unique way. Um, and so they build it and they, they, they dedicate it. And when they do, it says that the presence of God fills up the tabernacle um, and that it's full of a cloud by day and it's full of fire by night, wind and fire, the presence of God. And then later, when God brings his people into the land he's promised, into Israel, um, they establish a kingdom, and there's a king, and um, it's David, and then it's his son Solomon. And Solomon says, man, I'm going to build a temple, something more solid than a tent, something that's going to, to show that God's presence is always with us. And so they do, and in 1 Kings 8, they dedicate that temple, and as they do, this thick cloud of glory fills the temple presence of God. But then we get here to Acts 2. Remember, it's all one story, Genesis to Revelation. This is all the same story, talking about Jesus. And so we get here, and instead of filling up a tent, instead of filling up a temple, God fills up his own people with his own presence. Paul, Paul confirms this in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. He says, Do you not know that your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? This is what he's talking about. And so isn't that awesome, church, that despite our sin, despite our incredible brokenness, the God of the universe wants to dwell within us. And so you need to know today that before God wants to do something through you, he wants to do something in you. You can't be a witness unless you've been a witness. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know and be known by you. He wants a relationship with you. And so in this passage today, we see that God is offering us nothing less than himself. Nothing less than his very self. And so, church, it's God's will for your life that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his heart for you. This wasn't a one-time thing that happened then. This is happening every time someone comes to the Lord. It's God's heart for us that we be filled with his very presence, that we be these little temples walking around, bringing the presence of God to a broken world. And so what does this mean for us? Well, first, let's, let's ask this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Again, depending on your church background, um, you might be all over the place on this one. Uh, you might have talked about the Holy Spirit a lot growing up. You might have not talked about him at all. Um, I grew up in a church that was a little more the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. 
um, because we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Um, and if you didn't grow up in church, then you, again, probably have kind of vague ideas about these things, so that's okay. Um, but let's start with saying what the Holy Spirit is not. He's not a force. Um, so he's not some uh, mystical, magical force that you can summon at will or manipulate for your purposes. Um, he's not like the force in Star Wars, where you can just uh, command people around to get them to do what you want to do and choke people out like Darth Vader. Um, Jimmy Yeager, if you're here, that's, that's for you. Um, so the Holy Spirit is not a force. Um, also, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Um, he's not uh, this emotional high that you get when you go to a really great Christian concert or conference um, and you're feeling a little weepy. Um, he does uh, bring up strong emotions in us, but he is not those emotions. He's not a feeling. Uh, and then finally, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. Um, he's not like Casper, the ghost, just zipping around here and there, scaring people and causing trouble. Um, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is not a what, but a who. He's not a what, but a who. He's a person. And when I say person, I don't mean that he's a human, because he's not. He's a spirit. But he is one of three distinct persons in the one triune God that we worship. The Holy Spirit is God. And so as God, he is to be worshipped. He's to be talked to. To and listened to. He's to be loved and respected and enjoyed. He's, he's not subordinate to the other members of the Trinity. He's not Jesus Jr. or Jesus 2.0. The Holy Spirit is as much God as is God the Father and as is God the Son. And just as Jesus was God with us, the Holy Spirit is God in us. God come to take up residence in these temples of ourselves. And so, quick, quick aside, if, you, if that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, if you uh, struggle with the idea of the Trinity, maybe you've been following Jesus for a couple weeks, or maybe you've been following him for years, and it still doesn't make sense, I would highly recommend this book to you. Um, this book is one of my all-time favorites. It's called The Lighting in the Trinity, An Introduction to the Christian Faith. It's by a guy named Michael Reeves. Um, it is beautiful. It is hilarious. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Um, it is only 130 pages, and when you get to the end of it, you will be left understanding who God is for us more and loving him a lot more as well. So uh, this is actually out in our resource center. We keep it out there. Uh, if, if those sell, I'll be happy to buy some more. You should read this book. It's worth your time. The Lighting in the Trinity. So that's a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, what what is it that he wants to do? Well, here in verse, uh, in verse 4, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, generally, what we're full of is what controls us. What we're full of is what controls us. What we are filled with is what comes out in our lives. Um, so when this word is used in the Bible, it's used to describe people who are filled with like a certain trait or, or an emotion, like he was filled with anger. 
or she was filled with fear. And when you're filled with those things, they, they direct what you're doing, right? They control your decisions and your actions. Um, and so when you're filled with those things, then, then you act in accordance with, with those things. It's kind of like this balloon. With nothing in it, this balloon is just that, a limp and lifeless balloon. Um, but if you put some helium in it, we'll see how this goes. Oh, gosh. Whew. No pressure. I can do this. Oh, yeah. If you, if you put some helium in it, suddenly it is under the influence of something else. It is no longer a limp and lifeless balloon. It has been filled with something else, and now it is no longer controlling itself, but it's doing what the helium wants it to do. It's going where the helium wants it to go. Right? <laughs> I think it's probably going to come down a couple of days, so we're, we're just going to not worry about that. <laughs> this illustration, uh, I think, is helpful because it shows us two two aspects of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. First, without the Holy Spirit in your life, your life is nothing more than a limp balloon. Maybe that's a little harsh, but I I think that it is exactly what the Bible is saying. The Bible is very clear that because of sin, we don't just need some kind of moral reform. We don't just need some cleaning up on the outside, but that we are actually dead, just like this balloon. Because of sin, each of us are spiritually dead. And so what we need is not someone to clean us up and make us better people. What we need is to be brought to life. Through uh, the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament, the Lord gives a word to his people, a word to Israel, and he says this. He says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove that old heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a heart that's soft and sensitive to the leading of the Lord. Then verse 27, he says, And I will put my spirit within you, and I'll cause you to walk in my ways, in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. Friend, if you think that you can earn your way to heaven, if you think that you can fix the brokenness of your life on your own, if you think that you can clean yourself up, then you have as much chance as this balloon here does getting to the ceiling. You can't do it. You can't do it. Without the Holy Spirit, without God's presence living inside of you, then you have no hope. But when we give our lives to Jesus and when we say, Lord, I have nothing without you, I have nothing to offer, would you come and fill me? Then he does. And he makes us alive by putting his own spirit within us to, to wake us up and to animate us and to bring us to life spiritually. Y'all, that is good news. That is what is happening here on this day of Pentecost, and that is what God is offering each of us today. If anyone is here and you've never come to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you've never met the Lord, if you've never been born again, as Jesus says, then what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our only hope. 
But there's more, and this, this is the, the second aspect, the second thing. I think many of us, when we are saved, we think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is like being filled up with this glass of water. There you go. You're saved, filled with the Spirit. That's it. Yeehaw, go, go live your life. Go figure out how to follow Jesus. But so many of us stop there when what the Bible says is that that is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. You see, throughout Acts, uh, as, you, as you walk through the book, you see that people, like the apostles, are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then a few chapters later, it says, again, and they were filled with the Spirit. And then it says that one of them, old so-and-so, goes over here and does this thing, and then he's filled with the Spirit. It keeps happening. And so the way that the Bible commands us to be filled with the Spirit is a lot less like that glass of water and a lot more like this balloon. See, if I put a little bit of helium in this balloon, then it's, it's full of helium, right? Would you say that this balloon is full of helium? I would. There's nothing else in there. Um, but it's still not completely controlled by the helium, right? Like if I tie it up, it's not going to rise. It's going to kind of look like it's on the moon and maybe just bounce around a little bit. And I could actually add more helium, even though it's already full of helium. Now is it full? <laughs> Maybe not as much as it could be, but it is full of helium. And does that mean that it wasn't before? Not at all. It was full of helium before too. But as this balloon continues to put itself in the path of the helium, its capacity to be filled with it expands. And it's the same way with us. When we were saved, when we were filled with the Spirit, it was never meant to stop there. God has so much more for us. And so the more that we continue to open ourselves to the, to the influence of the Holy Spirit, the more that our capacity to be filled with Him expands. Isn't that awesome? Church, too many of us are trying to live the Christian life, and we have only begun to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, we're struggling and not going anywhere. Of course, we're struggling with sins in our life that we can't defeat. Of course, we're struggling to obey and do what God has called us to do. Of course, we're not being disciples who make disciples. Of course, we're struggling to be witnesses because we've only begun to give ourselves to the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, Paul commands the believers to be filled with the Spirit. It's Ephesians 5.18. Now in Greek, that verb is a present imperative, and so um, you could more explicitly translate it, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. But instead of continually being filled, I think many of us stop after our initial filling at salvation, um, and we cut ourselves off from the Holy Spirit. We say, okay, Lord, uh, thanks for bringing me to life, but I'm good now. I, I can take care of this myself. I, I'm, I can figure it out from here. 
And so we limp along, trying to follow Jesus, not making it very far, getting disappointed and frustrated with ourselves, and feeling the whole time like he is disappointed with us. But if I tie up this balloon and leave it, like that balloon up there too, um, what's going to happen? The helium's going to leak out of it, right? And this, this balloon will become less and less under the influence of the helium and more and more just a limp and lifeless balloon. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 3. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by your flesh? He's saying, God, the Spirit, has started this new life in you, and now you think that you're going to to live it in your own strength? That's a joke. You can't do that. You can't live this Christ life. You can't live, love, and lead like Jesus if you don't have his Spirit inside you continually. And so don't hear me to say that you can lose the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is just going to leak out of you like a bunch of helium. Um, But what I am saying, what I am saying is what Paul says uh, later on in a different letter, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 30, he says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, don't do it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That through continuing in sin, through continually hearing his voice and, and, and saying no to it, um, through continually ignoring his presence within us, we can stifle the work that God wants to do in our lives. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So church, if this is where you are today, if, it, if you've received the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus and have given your life to him, but you're trying to follow Jesus in your own strength, and you're failing miserably, then my invitation to you is to stop trying. Just give up. Stop trying to follow Jesus in your own strength. Open yourself instead to the filling of the Holy Spirit and watch him take you to places you never thought you could be. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time filling when we're saved. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you continually. He wants to fill you continually so that you can really live, so that you can actually resist sin and defeat it and have victory over it in your life, so that you can do what he's called you to do, so that you can be a disciple who's making disciples. And so if you're a Christian and you're, you're struggling with sin in your life today, maybe it's because you're trying to beat it in your own strength. But you can't. You can't do it. Remember, sin just makes us dead, limp and lifeless, unable to respond, unable to resist. Don't think that you're stronger than that power. But you better know and believe that God is and that he can can give you the power to defeat sin. Paul says it this way in Romans 8 to 13. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, then you will die. But if by the Spirit 
you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Only by the Spirit can we have victory over sin in our lives. Only by His power can we be who God's made us to be. So Christian, what are you full of today? What are you full of? Are you full of anger or fear? Are you full of lust or anxiety? Are you full of loneliness? Are those things controlling you? The answer isn't just to stop doing those things because, again, you can't. You can't beat those things on your own. You might can push them down for a little while, but to kill them in your life, you've got to stop trying and you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's your only hope. Also, if, if you're a Christian here today following Jesus and you feel like God is calling you to do something, um, but it's something that, that you're scared to do, something that you don't know how to do, um, and you say, I, I can't do that. I'm not, Lord, I hear you. I feel like maybe you're trying to get me to do that, but I'm not gifted in that way, so it must not be you. Uh, I can't do that. That's not possible. Well, maybe... It's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. But you can't. You can't do it. Remember last week we said um, that we have no power in our own strength to do anything that will last for eternity. John 15, 5, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. But with God himself living inside of you, your life filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can do absolutely anything that God asks you to do absolutely anything. My sweet wife, Kayla, uh, reminded me this week um, that a few years ago I said, um, I can't preach. I can't do that. Um, I feel like my, God might have some kind of call on my life, but that, that part's not for me. Um, I'm scared, and my voice shakes, and my knees shake, and I can't do it. It's not It's not possible. And yet I stand here, and I want you to know that it's by no strength of my own um, that I'm able to speak. And I know that Scott and others would say the same. It's through no strength of our own that we do anything for the Lord. It's only by the power of His Holy Spirit. I promise you, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So church, what do you feel God prompting you to do? What do you feel like you're not enough for? What do you feel inadequate for? I've got really good news for you. Your inadequacy is his opportunity. Remember we read last week from 2 Corinthians where Paul says his strength is perfected in our weakness. His power is perfected in our weakness. So if you're feeling like you can't do what God has called you to do, that's great because you can't. But the Holy Spirit in you can. So be filled with him. Lean on him. Oh, church, do we lack power in our lives? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are we struggling with sin in our lives? Then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are we terrified and scared to do what we know God's asked us to do? It's okay. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is how we become disciples. 
That is how we continue to be disciples. That is how we make disciples. That's how we are witnesses. That's how we live, love, and lead like Jesus. That's how we invest in people for eternity only by being filled with the Spirit. So we'll wrap up. I, I imagine you're all getting hungry. I know I, know I am. <clears throat> so we'll conclude with this. What practical steps can we take? Well, saying be filled with the Spirit is actually kind of a strange thing when you think about it. Um, it's kind of like saying be attacked by a lion or be called by your mom because you don't have any control over those things, Right? And so don't let the helium take example fool you to thinking that you can control the Holy Spirit. You can't just plug yourself up to the Holy Spirit tank and, and get some and then go. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But you can position yourself in a way to be filled by him. You can walk through the jungle and then you might get attacked by a lion. You can listen to your phone and your mom might call you. So here are some practical ways that you can position yourself and that you can get started. Here's one. Ask. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not a force. You can't just plug yourself up to the tank. He's a person. He's God, and he wants to fill you with himself. We said before that um, the Father loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Ask him. He wants to give you himself. He delights to give you himself. You don't have to clean yourself up to ask for the Holy Spirit. That's his job. He comes in and he cleans house. He just wants intimacy with you. And then, slowly, through that process, he takes care of all the things that you're worried about, all the things you're ashamed of and embarrassed about. He'll do it. Second, get in this book daily. Jesus said this is bread for your soul. Paul said that this is the sword of the Spirit. This is what he uses to kill sin in your life. This is what he uses to cut to your heart and to show you what's really going on in there. This is what he uses to shape you and to form you and to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. Don't neglect this. Get in this book daily. And then finally, third, be with his people. If you are not living in regular community with the people of God, then you are cutting yourself off from a huge way that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. The more that we spend time with spirit-filled people, the more that we see what it's like to be filled with him. And I don't mean just, just coming to church sometimes. I do mean that, coming to church regularly. This is vital to your life, to your spirit-filled life. But I mean more than that, living in community with other people who are believers, encouraging one another, building one another up, confessing your sins to one another, challenging each other and saying, hey, there's, there's some stuff going on here that's not right. Let's bring this out and watch what the Lord wants to do. Watch what the Holy Spirit does. So ask, get in the book and be with his people. The Bible also lists a variety of other ways that we can position ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. It talks about singing. Um, it talks about giving thanks. It talks about um, not holding grudges and, and reconciling relationships. But here's the thing about those and about these things I've listed. These are all ordinary means through which God does extraordinary things but we often despise these ordinary means, don't we? We say, oh, that's silly. That's silly. Just reading that old book, it's big, it's hard, it's confusing. Talking to God in prayer, being with people who are as messed up, as broken as I am, that's, that's silly. I don't need that. 
I got this. I'm, you know, I've got some money and got some power and I've got good connections. I can figure this out on my own. I can live life on my own, but but friend, you can't. You're not going to make it anywhere that lasts for eternity. You're not going to do anything that lasts. You're not going to live the abundant life that God has in store for you, that he's called you to. If you're despising these ordinary means through which God has ordained that you be filled with his very presence. Don't resent them. Don't be embarrassed by them. But use them. Well, church, I'm so excited for what God is doing among us. I'm excited for how his Holy Spirit is filling us. I'm excited to see what he does as we continue to ask for his presence, as we ask for revival, as we, as we attempt to, to be the witnesses he's called us to be. If you feel inadequate, that's great. Because he's, he's going to fill us up. He's going to do it. This isn't the end of the story. And he who promised is faithful. He will surely do it. Would you ask with me now? Let's pray. Well, Holy Spirit, we ask. Would you come and fill us in a new way like you never have before? Would you expand our capacity for more of you? Lord, we confess there's areas of our life where we are not opening ourselves to you, where we're not surrendering. We don't want you to come in. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed of what we find there. And so, Lord, I pray for this room, for every heart that's, that's holding back places from you, that it would open now in the name of Jesus. Lord, for any wall that is raised against the, the working of your Holy Spirit, would you just break it down right now in Jesus' name? Holy Spirit, would you come like a wind? Would you come like fire? Burn away the junk in our lives that's just a waste. That's not worth our time. Captivate us with who you are, with your presence, with your your heart for us, with your plans, with your dreams. And send us out to be witnesses. Oh, Holy Spirit, we know we have no hope of doing this without you. And so would you do it? Would you do it? Oh, Lord, for every heart in this room, including my own, anyone who's listening online or listening at another time, we ask um, that you'd lead us to new surrender, that we could take one step in surrendering a little bit more of ourselves to your influence, to your control. Would you do that in us this morning? Oh, Lord, we love you so much. You are so good and kind and beautiful. There's no God like you. No one so perfect in patience. No one's so just and yet so merciful. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all uh, that you have done here today and what you are continuing to do in the life of this body, Orchard Hills. We praise you, Lord. We give you all glory and all honor because you deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen.